greetings in the Master's name. You can turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 12. A few verses uh, at various places I wanted to look at here this morning. And I want to say, too, I appreciate everybody's uh, help yesterday in whatever way. Uh, those that helped here for the maintenance work and and uh, Charles, uh, Tommy's boy, Charles uh, mowed the yard out here with his mower. Uh, that was a, a big help. He saw me with the push mower and wanted to know if I was going to mow the whole thing with the push mower and decided I needed some help. <laughs> and uh, so he brought his mower up here and, and mowed. And uh, But then over at the uh, Roses parking lot, too, and the good contacts we had over there. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we just need to not uh, lose heart, uh, just uh, keep having patience uh, and keep making efforts. Like uh, uh, Richard Thorne, uh, see, I saw him Thursday and told him to get the word around uh, uh, to the homeless people, and there was a bunch of them there. And but then, and of course, you know, he said, "Well, he'll be here this morning, or he'll he'll be back." And I, when I came through town this morning, I saw him at uh, Klein's, and uh, I thought about stopping, and reminding him that uh, we have church this morning, but I didn't. Um, and then uh, this, uh, we, we had a rather extensive discussion with a fellow named Jim, and he talked like he would uh, come too, but uh, I guess it. Looks big to him, so. Okay, Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So it's talking about what Jesus endured, crucifixion, and the shame that went along with it. Okay, let's turn to a few other verses. Uh, Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 17. Verse 16, the last phrase is, We are the children of God. Now, verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Okay, and I'll explain a little bit later why I'm reading these verses. Now, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. You'll notice these verses are all kind of saying the same thing. First Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 11 and 12. Well, maybe I should even read 10. For Apostle Paul has given his testimony to Timothy. He says, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the election which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, 
If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And I'll finish the chapter. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. And one more yet. Uh, Mark 8, verse 35. Mark 8, verse 35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. So this morning, what I want to do is um, give uh, the, the uh, life experience of some people that these verses were very real to. And... Um, the message this morning is partly due to Hallowed Eve. Now, you may have already noticed some, some um, indications that Halloween is coming up. And uh, it's quite a commercial holiday anymore. Uh, but the... Okay, I'll just read a little bit of a... Of a background here about uh, Halloween. Um, the name Halloween is short for All Hallows Even. More than 1,000 years ago, the Roman Catholic Church established All Saints Day as November 1 in an effort to replace the much older pagan festival celebrated on October 31. In some European countries, the church did supplant the old superstitions, but not in the British Isles. Uh, the superstitious druids believed the souls of the dead came back on the evening of October 31 to visit their kinsmen in search of warmth and good cheer for the coming winter. And that was also their sort of end of the year thing. October 31 was the druids' end of the year thing. The Roman Catholic Church eliminated druid temples and some of their ancient superstitions, but other vestiges of the old religion remain. And so... So there was this, uh, well, it was with the Celts, but the Druids was this particular uh, belief group that had these various ideas about the end of the year and the spirit world and all the stuff that was going on. Well, and so the church, to sort of um, take the focus off that, I guess you would say, they established November 1 as All Saints Day. And that was to be a day to honor the martyrs in the past, old saints. And so it was, it was hallowed, it was hallowed mass. That day was hallowed mass. But the evening before was hallowed eve. I mean, it was the evening before the hallowed, hallowed mass day. And so that's where it gets the name Halloween. It's hallowed eve. Whether or not it was a good idea to try to, um, substitute something good for something that wasn't so good. I don't know. Maybe just call more attention to it. But anyway, that's the way it was. And so, uh, and so um, today, um, I thought we'd focus a little bit on, on martyrs. And those verses that we read, I mean, they took those verses literally. 
it meant a lot. I mean, they staked their lives on it. Um, and so I was going to read some accounts here. Actually, this book here, Martyr's Mirror, it's it's account of martyrs. And uh, and so it's like 11, 1200 pages. And I won't get it all read this morning. Um, but uh, if you have uh, if you have these this book, uh, uh, these stories are in this book now. I'm going to read an article here that's based on one of the stories on page 560 in this book instead of reading it out of the book. It's called Family Forsaken. It was in uh, Companions like in 1974 by James Lowry. Um, you might say Jarrett Hosput was a family man. He liked his work as a tailor because he could sew at home and could spend the hours. This happened in 1557. Um, he liked his work as a tailor because he could sew at home and could spend the hours with his family. He loved his wife and children very much, but he loved Jesus Christ even more. When a persecution of Christ's followers began in 1557, Jared had to leave his home for a while. So he had to forsake house, wife, and children for the gospel's sake. To such refugees, Christ promised eternal life in the world to come. Jared knew the scripture passage about that, but he did not know how soon he would need to leave his family behind permanently, how soon he would pass into the world to come. It happened this way. Persecution in the Netherlands was not yet over, but Jared was becoming more and more lonesome for his family. He decided to come home secretly to see them. A guard happened to recognize Jared on the street and report him to the bailiff, a very bloodthirsty man. The bailiff came immediately and caught Jarrett within the loving circle of his family. Without mercy, he hauled Jarrett off to prison. In prison, Jarrett openly confessed his faith and was not ashamed of Christ. Because of this, he was sentenced to death in the flames at the stake. But he received his sentence bravely because he knew that he would soon be with Christ. After the judge had pronounced the sentence, Garrett's wife came into the city hall, weeping with her baby in her arms. She sobbed so hard that they could scarce, she could scarcely hold the baby. As was the custom, a large cup of wine was poured out for Jarrett to drink. This was supposed to be an act of mercy to deaden the pain and relieve the fear of execution. However, Jarrett had no desire to die in such a condition. He told his wife he would not touch the wine, but would wait for the new wine to be given in the kingdom of his father above. So he points upward in the picture. Well, um, uh, the the um, there was this fellow, Jan Lucan. Jan Lucan. He he was a he was a artist, etcher, and so on. And so he had made uh, somewhere along the line when this book was being compiled. I guess he he did a lot of uh, etchings, uh, pictures, to illustrate the stories. And there's one on this one, and uh, I printed it off. I'll stick it on the bulletin board. But uh, so it says here. Um. He told his wife he would not touch the wine, but wait for the new wine to be given in the kingdom of his father above. So he points upward in the picture, and you can see him pointing upward. I'll put it, I'll put it on the bulletin board out there. Jared's wife could hardly stand any longer and almost fainted with grief. Strange to say, the little baby was not frightened by the mother's hysterical mood or the commotion of the many strangers in the courtroom. The infant seemed to be surrounded by a protective supernatural influence. It merely laughed and cooed to its father. Could it be that this baby and its innocence was closer to its father in the kingdom of heaven than anyone else in the room? Jared was taken on a wagon to the scaffold where he was to be burned. On the scaffold, he joyfully sang hymns and prayed. As sometimes happens in the greatest moments of one's life, little things become important. So, so uh, Jared kicked off his shoes, saying there was no point in burning a good pair of shoes, too. Some poor man could wear them. 
The executioner passed the rope through the slit in the stake and around Jarrett's neck and began twisting it. But the executioner was careless and did not succeed in strangling him. Jarrett caught his breath and began singing another hymn. The executioner twisted the rope again, this time until Jarrett was dead. Then the fire was lighted. And so this witness of Christ forsook house, wife, and children forever in this life, firmly believing that he would receive an hundredfold and eternal life in the world to come. So those scriptures that we read talked about um, if we suffer with Christ, we'll reign with him. If we deny ourselves, we live with him. And so uh, for these people, uh, all these stories in here, it was very, very real. Um, and uh, some of them that's the most um, powerful in a way to me is the letters that the parents wrote to their children. And, and, um, the one, uh, and, and some of them, it's like several pages. I mean, this is a big page with a lot of print on it. And some of them are several pages long. And so, and instead of reading this out of the Martyr's Mirror, I'm going to read some of them from this book. This is a book of stories, Pathway Readers, the eighth grade one. Uh, but it's talking about this. Oh, yeah, it's talking about the, um, the one, the man who was a, a, a bookseller. And so they were especially glad to get a hold of him because of all his supposedly heretical books. And there's a story, and there, and there, I won't read that part of the story. I just want to read what he wrote to his children. But when he was when he was burned at the stake, the crowd wasn't very uh, much on the side of the officials. They thought this was not really very nice, and and so um, so then after they burned him. They started throwing all these books they'd found at his shop. They started throwing them on the fire. But the crowd, they surged forward and the guards ran. And they, they threw all these books out to the crowd. And so almost all the books got distributed. Uh, more so than what he got distributed in his lifetime. So that's kind of the way God works sometimes. Okay, this is some of what he wrote to his son. His son was pretty young, I think. I don't know if he could read yet. But they wrote these letters to left them as a testimony to their children. May God, through his great mercy, be with my son, Simon, that he may grow up virtuously in order to obtain eternal salvation through his beloved son, Jesus Christ. My child and dear son, listen to my advice, how I began and am now about to finish my life. In my youth, I was proud, puffed up, drunken, selfish, and deceitful. I wanted only what pleased my flesh and easy life. I was greedy, and what I did in secret is too shameful to mention. And so this is for, this is an eighth grade reader, and it's for students, and so they don't put everything in here, but in the martyr's mirror it tells he, he also got his neighbor daughter pregnant. Um, but my dear child, I searched the scriptures and found that my life deserved eternal death. Everlasting woe was hanging over me, and the fiery pool which burns with brimstone and pitch was prepared for me. When I thought about this, I became alarmed. Which would be better, to live an easy life here for a little while and to, ex and to expect the everlasting pains of hell, or to suffer here a little and enjoy eternal happiness? I looked in the word of God for the answer. My dear son and beloved child, 
This is my testament to you. I want you to read it often and compare it with the scriptures so that you may live a holy life. Mark well, my son, what I write. Many will appear in the garb of good teachers saying that they have medicine for your sick soul, but the ones that will profit you are those who have the truth. Listen to them. Out of a faithful father's, father's heart, I have left you this. When about to depart from this world and to die for the word of the Lord, may the Lord grant you to take it to heart and to act according to it. Farewell, your father, Jorian. Matthew ten twenty eight. Maybe I'll just read that one um, instead of having you turn to it. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And so that's the realization that that man took to heart um, and based his decisions on that. Uh, there's <clears throat> one in here I've I have referred to on other occasions um, such a powerful um, testimony this lady wrote to her son. Anna of Rotterdam uh, was the way she's labeled. Uh, Rotterdam, a city there in Holland, I guess. And this was 1539. The following is a testament which Anna of Rotterdam left and presented to her son Isaiah on the 24th of January, A.D. 1539, at 9 o'clock in the morning, as she was preparing herself to die for the name and testimony of Jesus, and took leave of her son at Rotterdam. Isaiah, receive your testament. My son, hear the instruction of your mother. Open your ears to hear the words of my mouth. She has a lot of scripture references in here. Behold, I go today the way of the prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and drink of the cup which they all have drank. I go, I say, the way which Christ Jesus, the eternal word of the Father, full of grace and truth, the shepherd of the sheep, who is the life, himself went, and who went this way, and not another, and who had to drink of this cup, even as he said, I have a cup to drink of. And I'll skip a good bit here. Um, she talks a good bit about the martyrs in the past, in the Bible and so on, refers to a lot of them. Um, See, my son, here you can hear that no one can come in, unto life except through this way. She's talking about the straight way. Therefore, enter in through the straight gate, receive the chastisement and instruction of the Lord, bow your shoulders under his yoke, and cheerfully bear it from your youth with thanksgiving, rejoicing, and honor. See, my son, this way has no retreats. There are no roundabout or crooked little paths. Whosoever departs to the right or to the left inherits death. Behold, this is a way which is found by so few and walked by a still far smaller number. For there are some who well perceive that this is the way to life, but it is too severe for them. It pains their flesh. Therefore, my child, do not regard the great number nor walk in their ways. Remove thy foot far from their paths, for they go to hell, sheep unto death, as Isaiah says. But where you hear of a poor, simple, cast-off little flock, which is despised and rejected by the world, join them. For where you hear of the cross, there is Christ. From there do not depart. Flee the shadow of this world. Become united with God. Fear him alone. 
Keep his commandments. Observe all his words to do them. May the Lord cause you to grow up in his fear and fill your understanding with his spirit. Sanctify yourself to the Lord, my son. Sanctify your whole conduct in the fear of your God. Whatever you do, do it all to the praise of his name. Honor the Lord in the works of your hands and let the light of the gospel shine through you. Now what she writes here, I find, um, well, it's a little hard for us to identify with, I guess. She says, love your neighbor, deal with an open, warm heart, thy bread to the hungry, clothe the naked, and suffer not to have anything twofold, for there are always some who lack. Whatever the Lord grants you from the sweat of your face above what you need, communicate or share to those of whom you know that they love the Lord, and suffer nothing to remain in your possession until the morrow. And the Lord shall bless the work of your hands and give you his blessing for an inheritance. O my son, let your life be conformed to the gospel and the God of peace. Sanctify your soul and body to his praise. Amen. Uh, one more I think I'll read yet. Uh, a, a few snatches from it. Uh, this is about... Hans and Janneke Munstorf, and they were arrested along with three other ladies. And, um, well, I'll just read some of what it says. The awful murderers, the end of the city of Antwerp, though full of stakes, slaying bodies, and ashes of the saints, was at this time not yet sated with the many massacres that were perpetuated for the sake of the true faith on the innocent sheep of Christ. And then it talks about the five pious Christians. But when they could in no manner be turned from the steadfastness of their faith, notwithstanding many terrible threats, disputations with worldly learned men, and other means were used against them, it was determined to put them all to death. And this not an easy or short manner, but by fire, till life in them should be extinct. This was first put into execution on Hans, who about the month of September of the aforesaid year was taken out of the fold away from the other four, Put to death with a huge fire, which severe and grievous death he steadfastly endured with a heart full of good cheer. The reason why the other four persons, they were all women, were not put to death with him was chiefly because his wife, Janneke Munstorf, was very far advanced in pregnancy and was soon to be delivered, which took place shortly after her dear husband was burnt. She was delivered of a little daughter whom she, since she was now also soon to die, named after her own name, Janneke and made great haste to get the child before the priest should lay hands on it to the friends to whom she heartily commended it and also wrote a testament full of excellent instructions to this little daughter when she was about a month old, which testament the friends preserved for her. And um, so here she is. Her husband's already been burned at the stake. And she just had a child, and she knows she's going to be martyred. She names the little girl after herself, and she writes this letter to her little girl to be preserved for when she grows up to read. Now, 
in a situation like that, what would you write? And I'll just read a little bit. It, it's like, uh, oh, it's like five pages long, this letter to her little girl. Um, I'll just read a little bit of it. Oh, first of all, I want to read what he wrote to his wife. He wrote to her. There's a couple letters in here. He wrote to her. He also wrote to the church. Uh, but before he was burned at the stake, he wrote to his wife. They weren't in the same cell in the, in the jail. An affectionate greeting to you, my beloved wife, whom I love from the heart and greatly cherish above every other creature and must now forsake for the truth for the sake of which we must count all things lost and love him above all. I herewith exhort you, my beloved lamb, with the apostle. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. And suffer yourself not to be moved from your purpose through philosophy or vain deceit of men, whereby they seek to seduce the hearts of the simple. You can tell they quote a lot of scripture. Therefore, my beloved lamb, whom I so affectionately love and cherish as my own soul, Persevere steadfastly, this I pray you, till you are taken away, as I trust you will do. And do not regard flesh or blood, for it must all pass away. Though we have here a rejected and vile body, the Lord shall fasten it like unto his own glorious body, on condition that we adhere to the truth unto death. Herewith, adieu and farewell. By the time of patience, be patient in the conflict and rejoice in hope. Always remember me kindly in your fervent prayers. I hope also not to forgive you, whom I would carry in my heart if it were possible. I greet you most cordially, therefore. Adieu and farewell, my lamb, my love. Adieu and farewell to all that fear God. Adieu and farewell until the marriage of the lamb. Okay, now, the mother's a letter to her month-old daughter. I commend you to the Almighty, great and terrible God, who only is wise, that he will keep you and that you grow up in his fear, or that he will take you home in your youth. This is my heart's request of the Lord. You who are yet so young, and whom I must leave here in this wicked, evil, perverse world. Since then, the Lord has so ordered and foreordained it that I must leave you here, and you are here deprived of father and mother, I will commend you to the Lord. Let him do with you according to his holy will. He will govern you and be a father to you, so that you shall have no lack here if you only fear God. For he will be the father of the orphans and the protector of the widows. Hence, my dear lamb, I, who am imprisoned and bound here for the Lord's sake, can help you in no other way. I had to leave your father for the Lord's sake and could keep him only a short time. We were permitted to live together only half a year, after which we were apprehended because we sought the salvation of our souls. They took him from me, not knowing my condition, and I had to remain in imprisonment and see him go before me. And it was a great grief to me, 
that I had to remain here in prison. And now that I have abided this time and borne you under my heart with great sorrow for nine months and given birth to you here in prison in great pain, they have taken you from me. Here I lie, expecting death every morning, and shall soon now follow your dear father. And I, your dear mother, write you, my dearest child, something for remembrance, that you will thereby remember your dear father and your dear mother. Well, there's so much here, but um, like I say, it's about five pages that she wrote to her daughter. James 5.10 says, Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. John 15, 18 and 19. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. That was 450 years ago or more. And it seems, uh, well, we know there were martyrs. But um, I thought maybe I'd read just a little bit World War One experiences. These were those, these were men that were conscientious objectors. Some of the men in Funston were brutally handled in the guardhouse. They were bayoneted. This is World War One in America. They were bayoneted, beaten, and tortured by various forms of the water cure. Eighteen men one night were aroused from their sleep and held under cold showers until one of them became hysterical under the treatment. Another had the hose played upon his head till he became unconscious. Standing at attention on the cold side of their barracks and scant clothing, subjected to the abusive language of passers-by for hours and days at a time. Chased by guards on motorcycles across the fields under the guise of taking exercise until they dropped in their tracks from sheer exhaustion. Spending days in the guardhouse on a bread and water diet. All these were the common experiences of the most sincere of the conscientious objectors, both Mennonites and those of other religious faiths. faiths. And then, of course, I won't read that more extensive account, but the Hutterite young men that actually died in prison from their mistreatment. So it can happen today. In many countries, it is happening. 